What's going on, all my podcasters? See Jizzle and the fucking Wizzle bringing you another episode, and it feels like it's been a whole week now. Um, it's been a very busy week. It's been very crazy. <clears throat> my boss got into a car accident, so I've been covering most of her shifts. And last night, I stayed like four hours past my shift, so... It's, it's just been crazy. We have one cook that's down. We have a shift lead that quit. We have a general manager that got in a car accident. So we're down three people right there. And then you got, you know, people that call off here and there. So anywho, I got me a little half pint of Palmason. Drinking on some Palmasan tonight. A little bit of Pepsi. It's been rough, man. I'm not gonna lie. So I'm gonna take a drink. The only good thing that's happened only good thing is that my mother doesn't have cancer <clears throat> pretty much I'm getting worked to death like crazy doing pretty much a general manager job getting paid the same amount I work at four o'clock in the evening to close tomorrow but I don't know what I work the next day because they don't have the schedule made and it's always like that but Something's got to give, you know. So, I've been doing a lot of thinking. And I was sitting there watching Cops last night, and I'm like, man, I think I could seriously do that shit. And I just never really wanted to be a cop in the past because I was afraid of getting shot. And now I think of it as, as long as you can protect yourself and get the fuck out of harm's way, you're going to be relatively safe. I mean, if someone pulls a gun on you and you're a cop, you have every right to to protect yourself, protect everybody. There's just, you know, you got to know if they're pulling a gun or... If they got a cell phone in their hand. I'm the type of cop that I wouldn't start shooting until I know for a fact that it's a gun. (coughs) Man, got a frog in my throat. Anywho. Got through it tonight. Got everything done. We got out of there at a pretty decent time. Um... But there were still some things that we didn't get done. You know, we didn't get to portion out wings. We didn't get to portion out fries. But at least we got the dough done. We got everything cleaned. So, who cares? That being said, Halloween, or not Halloween. (laughs) I wish it was Halloween. Christmas time is coming up soon. 
<clears throat> and uh, I have to start buying Christmas presents. And so I haven't even started buying Christmas presents, but I'm going to do it at the beginning of the month. That way it can ship here, it can get here on time before Christmas. Man. Drinking, drinking on that uh, Paul Masson will get you, get you right. But um, you know, I've been, <clears throat> I've been thinking about making a podcast and everything. I just, I haven't had the time. I haven't had time for myself. I still got laundry to do tonight. I don't even think I'm going to eat dinner tonight. I'm just going to go to sleep. Um. I don't really have anything here to really eat, and I just I just want to go to bed. You know, like I said, I'm gonna to have to wait for the laundry to get done. But <clears throat> the next day that I do get off, I'm gonna go get some food. I don't know when. Hopefully by then, I'll have my rent paid up. <clears throat> And uh, I'll be able to start doing some Christmas shopping, get some weed, get some clothes. <clears throat> Fuck. I'm telling you, there's a frog in my throat. But, um, you know, this Christmas season, just like any other Christmas season, is all about the Christmas spirit, being around family, baking cookies, watching movies. Even if I don't get any presents or they don't get any presents, I don't really care at the end of the day. If I have the money, of course I'm going to go out and buy presents. But there's been plenty of times in the past where I haven't had the money. And that's okay. <coughs> um, but I just I kind of want to this year. It's been so long since I bought anybody presents. I don't even remember the last time that I bought my sisters and my mom a present. It's been that bad, you know, because before I lived here, I lived in an apartment for like five years. Didn't have the money. Was living paycheck to paycheck. I didn't even decorate for Christmas. And then I was with my mom living there for a year, didn't have any money. And before that year and before those five years, I lived in an apartment for a couple years or a few years and didn't have the money. So it's been like fucking five to eight years. And this is going to be the first year that I get to buy my mom and my sisters a present. <clears throat> and buy me some clothes and some shoes. Buy a new bicycle pump and a tire, you know, in case I get a flat. And just different shit. So, <clears throat> pretty much, the first two weeks is going to be Christmas shopping and groceries and clothes. And then the last two weeks is going to be for rent. So, that's usually the way it works. Here within the past six months, I haven't really been able to save shit. 
because I got my hours cut. I'm not a very big liquor kind of guy, but here within the past week I've drank liquor two times. And both times it was Paul Masson. I got a whole pint when I went over to my mom's one day. I was off. I got a whole pint with some Pepsis, like four cans of Pepsi. And I had a great time, but towards the end of the night, it started hitting me. I shouldn't have got a whole pint. I mean, that's twice as much as what I got tonight. And tonight, I feel pretty good. I'm almost done with it. Got about a sixth, maybe, left of it. And uh, I'm feeling pretty good. So, the thing is, know your limits. Especially if you haven't drank any liquor in a long time. Or if your body doesn't process it right. Like me. I'm used to just drinking beer. So, But if I do drink liquor, it's Paul Masson. Every, every day of the week. It's, um... <clears throat> now, sometimes I might... I might kind of branch off and get a wild hair up my ass. Or I might have some whiskey. But brandy, I used to I used to drink E and J. Erkinger. That was the first drink that I had. And I can go on with memories about that, but and then I hung out with a lot of black people in the ghetto and they drink Paul Masson. And a lot of the hood motherfuckers, a lot of the ghetto people will drink Paul Masson and Pepsi. Period. They don't know what, you know, some of them will drink Erkinger, but you're not real hood, you're not real gangster unless you're drinking Paul Masson. And it's just a lot smoother, in my opinion. I've drank both, I've drank a lot of brandies, and I'd rather have brandy than whiskey, it's a lot smoother. And, you know, like I said, I'm not a very big liquor kind of guy, but I know my liquors. And I try to stay away from them. Because I get fucked up off of them. But as long as I stick to dark liquors, I'm alright. If I start drinking vodka, tequila, gin, anything that's clear... I'm going to be fucked up, especially clear rum. White rum is, it just gets me every time. Rum in general, like even Captain Morgan, it just makes me cringe right now. Captain and Coke just makes me sick to my stomach. And it's because I've had nights before where I've mixed... Evan Williams, Jose Cuervo, and Captain. All on the same night. It was it was a it was a good night, but it was a terrible night. And I made a pact with God that you know, the last time when I fell off my bike and I was blackout drunk and I broke the side of my face kind of forgot about that, but I broke like my cheekbone, side of my eye socket, 
from falling off my bike flat on my face. And then there was another time when I had gotten so drunk where I had slipped out on my back balcony and because <clears throat> I wasn't paying attention and I broke my ribs, I had a partial collapsed lung and I told God that I would never get that drunk again if he just got me through it and he did so I'm trying so hard to cut drinking out of my life it's really hard really hard especially when there's nights where you don't have any cigarettes you don't have any weed and you're just stressed the fuck out and you had a long day why not go get a four dollar bottle and call it a day and so that's what I've been battling lately and a lot of people have told me in the past that I'm an alcoholic and I, I've, I've kind of pushed them off and said, you know, fuck that. I'm not an alcoholic. And I really think that I'm not an alcoholic to a certain extent. I mean, I'm a functioning alcoholic. And there's a difference. You know, if you could if you can admit that you're wrong and you can find your problems and admit it, that's the first step. And I can clearly say that I'm a functioning alcoholic because there's a lot of days or a lot of nights after I get off work where I actually need it you know what I'm saying I mean I don't need it but part of me in the back of my mind is like just get a bottle same thing with cigarettes I don't need cigarettes but after working you know or whatever I'm like just go get a fucking pack of cigarettes And it's all because of stress. It's all because of stress. That's the main reason why I drink and smoke is because of stress. 50% of it is stress and 50% of it is depression when it comes down to drinking. And uh, I realize I've got a problem. I've cut back on it dramatically. Even though I'm still drinking tonight, I'm not, I'm not drunk, you know, if that makes any sense. And that's a step up for me. I also deal with being a manic depressive and many, many other uh, mental issues. I don't take any drugs for it. I don't see a psychologist. I don't believe in that shit. And a lot of that is because from the time that I was like five years old until the time that I was 16, I was put on drugs and lied to and told that I had ADHD. And I was drugged up for, the, for, for most of my childhood. I was drugged up on methamphetamines. And a lot of people don't know that or they don't know what it's like to be on methamphetamines as a kid first of all it fucks with your with your growth it fucks with your brain development and just because 
you've taken methamphetamines as a kid doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to grow later down the road. Your brain grows constantly until you're, they, they say until you're 28 years old. I think it's longer than that. I think it's 30, 32 maybe, who knows. 35, who knows. You're always learning something new every day. But it's whether you retain it or not. So, you know, I got told that I had ADHD, ODD, OD, you know, ADHD, ADD, and ODD. And it was some quack doctor that was pushing fucking drugs, period. I don't care who you are. I never had any of those things. And so, if you have ADHD, they're going to basically diagnose you with ADD because ADD is Attention Deficit Disorder, and ADHD is Attention Deficit Hybrid Disorder. So they're usually going to diagnose you with both of those, and if you're somebody who doesn't listen to your parents, that's rebellious, that wants to live their own life, they're going to diagnose you with ODD, which is Obedient Defiant Disorder. And it's, it's funny, it's crazy how they have all these abbreviations and, and shit to diagnose somebody, but I'm telling you, I know I didn't have any of those growing up. Because somebody who has ADHD, whether they're a kid or an adult cannot sit still and watch their favorite TV show without fidgeting or doing something else or getting sidetracked. But me, growing up, you find something that I'm interested in, like a TV show or building Legos was a big thing for me. I was content for hours and hours at a time. Never got sidetracked, so that tells me <clears throat> I can pay attention to shit. It's just if it interests me, if it's boring, I don't give a fuck. And so I might have, you know, I might have maybe had a mild form of ADHD. I I think it's just. Being a young kid, you know, a lot of people say, oh, they're hyper. They don't have any outlet. They don't have anything to do. They're inside all day, 12 hours a day. They don't have any friends. They don't have a bicycle to ride around the neighborhood. Now, back in my day, we rode around the neighborhood in the 90s and shit, and we actually had fun. And I still had... I was still kind of uh, labeled as having ADHD. And now it's transmorphed into things that are more serious and more um, prevalent, I guess you could say. Things that you can actually you can actually look at it and say, yeah, he's a manic depressive. 
or you can say yes he has depression or yes he is an introvert you know um <clears throat> but when you actually can listen to your own body and you can actually say yes these are all my symptoms and listen to other people that have those symptoms you can definitely say that's probably what I have and going and talking to somebody about it can help certain people but when you go to a counselor or whatever they're just jotting shit in that notebook they don't give a fuck what you're actually going through and I think as a society we need to change that we need to change the way that psychologists go about shit because they can jot shit down in that notebook and then a week later they're going to ask you the same shit that they asked you a week ago. And it feels like you're not getting anywhere. I just told you the same shit a week ago. I don't know. I feel like psychologists... The mental health people have been failing people non-stop for that reason. Because they're not getting down to the nitty-gritty and they're not helping people. They're just jotting things down and prescribing them drugs. And a lot of these drugs don't work. You know, it even says, you know, you might take this drug and you might have side effects or... You might take this drug for anti-depression, but it increases suicidal thoughts. And if you have increased suicidal thoughts, talk to your doctor. Well, what are you going to do in between then until you can get in to see your doctor? You have to stop taking that medicine and wait for somebody to talk to you to maybe get you on another medicine. And maybe that medicine is going to be worse or it's not going to help. And so many different drugs out there for depression and bipolar and manic depressive there's lithium and shit out there that you can take but I feel like putting all that shit into your body is not it's not meant to be it really isn't and if you if you as a person cannot overcome your problems whether it's depression suicide if you can't overcome that then you're weak you're weak and I tell myself that every time and I'm 32 years old I've had suicidal thoughts since I was probably 14 years old for the past fucking 14 years I've had suicidal thoughts okay it's normal it's normal nowadays you know to be born in a society that's so crazy and your parents are broke, you're broke, you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth, you never graduated high school, it's depression is, there's many different things that come along with depression, and for somebody to sit there with a tablet and a pen that doesn't even know you, to sit there and say, yeah, you know, that's bullshit, it's bullshit, you really need to start talking to friends, <clears throat> co-workers shit like that because even 
you know, friends and shit might not understand. But it gives you somebody to talk to. And that's basically what a counselor is going to do at the end of the day. So, without being pumped full of drugs and all the other bullshit. So, if you can't deal, you know, I've always said this. I've said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it's the same thing with depression. If you can't overcome that, suck it up, and find a way around it, then you got some serious problems. And sometimes, you know, whenever I'm depressed, I have to stop myself and say, suck it up, you know, stop being a little bitch about it. This is the way that life is. This is the cars that you were dealt. And there's no blackjack dealer that's going to come around and deal you another hand of cards. These are the cards that you're dealt. you got to make the best of it. It's like a poker game. you got to make the best of it with what you have. And you might lose on that hand. You might lose and... You know, overbet and lose all that shit. But it's up to you to pick yourself up. Put some more money down. Play your odds again. And see how it turns out. Because, I'm telling you. It's... Life is like a fucking poker game. Period. Period. I've lost people um, along the way. I've lost friends. I've lost people that I thought I can trust for over 15 years. And they might have thought that they cashed out. They might have thought, oh, you know, let's just kick him to the curb. We're going to cash out now. And that's fine. That's fine. If you want to cash out, you don't want to talk to me again, you don't want to be my friend, that's fine. But, uh, you know, it, I don't know. It, it all comes down to, you know, like I got a best friend that came to America. I was friends with him since he came to America. And... Long story short, he had no friends. He had no friends. He hadn't, you know, he was wearing Speedos to go swimming. That's not what we do in America. He didn't know anything about hip-hop, 50 Cent, Eminem. He didn't know any of that shit. So I helped him get adjusted to American culture. And time went on. He got cockier. He started making money, and then eventually, he thought he was better than me. He thought he was better than everybody around him because he's making all this money. And money has nothing to do with what kind of person you are. Money has, you know, they say that money makes the world go round, blah, blah, blah. But it it means absolutely nothing to me on what kind of person you are. You can have no money at all. And if you're a good person, I'm going to think you're a good person. 
and when when you're when you're somebody who forgets about your roots and you forget about where you came from it's a whole different story i don't i don't believe in that i don't believe people that were starving that didn't have anything you know once once they actually get better off to just gloat about it and fucking i don't believe in that I believe you make more money, you should be able to help people out, at least your friends, at least people that, you know, you've been friends with for 15 years, and they're struggling and whatnot, and you make, you make six figures a year, you make over $100,000 a year between, well, you and your wife, and you can't help your friend out. That doesn't really say that you're a friend. You know, if I had, if I made a hundred thousand dollars a year, and let's say I had a friend who couldn't get his shit together, he was trying. It's not like he's just sitting around, not, he didn't have a job, but he's trying. And you make a hundred thousand dollars or more a year. I could, I could make a hundred thousand dollars a year and have a house and have a car and have credit card payments and I could still give up ten thousand dollars like it's nothing. Period. No matter which way you look at it. So you might not want to do that or whatever, but that's what that's what a good friend is. I'm not saying he should have just given me ten thousand dollars, but he could have said, hey. Do you need a couple hundred dollars to borrow? I've got friends that... Um, I've got a friend right now that works at a bus company. He probably makes $30 an hour. Probably more. Who knows? But if I asked him... You know, he's even he's even tried to get me a well, he's sorta of tried to get me a job, but if I asked him for help right now or if I messaged him, he would fucking help. And me and him grew up around the street from each other just like me and this Russian kid did. And long story short he doesn't make six figures a year like the Russian kid does. Let's just say that. And I didn't have to teach the Russian about American culture and everything. I didn't have to do all that. But I did because it was right. But like I said, a friend is a friend. And there was never anything that he did for me that said, you're my friend. He talked to me on Facebook here and there, and he listened to some of my podcasts, and that was about it. So at the end of the day, 
A friend is a lot more than that. Especially when he's making six figures a year. He knows you're struggling. And then he wants to criticize you about how you're living. You know, um, that's not a friend. So, either way. I have friends. I have some. I have a few that are truly friends. And the rest of them are just acquaintances or people that try to use me or um, and they don't use me for what I have necessarily because I don't have anything but at the end of the day it's people that use me for other things other things let's just say that and you know at the end of the day <clears throat> They might think that they didn't use me or whatever. They didn't, you know, uh, they never got anything out of me and their relationship, blah, 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 whatever. Who cares? At the end of the day, I've got my life to live. They've got theirs to live. He's probably still listening to my podcast right now. So, because... He's miserable. He's miserable. He, he goes to work every day. Yeah, he makes six figures a year. He goes to work every day. He's got he's to gotta be a straight-A student when it comes to being at work. He wants to know what it's like to live a life like mine. And to get away from his life because it's so crazy. And... Um, so he, he still listens to my shit. I know he does. But even if he doesn't, who cares? Who cares? He isn't anything to me anymore. You know, so... The people that mean the most to me are people who have loyalty. People that are going to be around. People who, okay, yeah, you know... Me and you might have had a falling out or whatever, but you suck it up. You you work on shit and you move on, right? If you're if you're too weak to admit your wrongs and you're too weak to move on to shit, I don't want any part of that. I don't want any anything to do with you. So it's kind of the way it works. I only want strong-minded people, loyal people, down-to-earth people. That's all it takes. And if you're gloating about shit and trying to make me feel bad or trying to rub something in my face, it's not going to go very well. I mean, I understand... People who have more money that are better off should be able to enjoy themselves. But it became like a competition with him. And, you know, he wanted to show me how, you know, we had this thing where we would drink beer and we would show each other what we drank. And I actually enjoyed that for a minute but 
then he started like trying to one-up me and trying to find beer that was hard to find and I'm like okay that's fine you know but you know for the longest time I was like whatever and then we, then it became an everyday thing where he was trying to show me more exotic beers and and then it became you know where he was going out to concerts and spending like two thousand dollars and whatnot which I think that's absolutely ridiculous I don't care how much money you are how much money you have or how rich you are if you're spending two thousand dollars a night on two tickets that's crazy you could have bought four tickets or six tickets and give them to somebody else. Or you could have got regular tickets and spent $400 to give to the homeless people for food. You know, like anything. You could have done anything with that money, but you decided to spend, you know, $2,000 just on the tickets, not including the drinks, the food, anything else. And that's fine if that's who you are. That's what you want to do. But that's not who I am. That's, you know... I don't... You know, greed is not... That's not what I associate with. If I had more money than what I had right now... I could be able to help people. I could be able to do serious things. But somebody who makes $100,000 a year... That's... They could do better things, but they just choose to blow it on shit. I can't, I can't get on board with that. No, I understand, you know. You want to go on a cruise? You want to go on vacation? <clears throat> $2,000 isn't nothing. But when you go on a vacation and then you come home and you spend $2,000 on it, concert tickets and then you come home two weeks later and you're going to um, a festival that costs another two thousand dollars that's fucking crazy I haven't had a vacation since I was 21 I'm 32 years old I haven't had a vacation in 11 years because I haven't had the money you know the economy isn't set up for one person it's set up for two but when you have two people that are making six figures a year, it's just crazy. And they have no idea what it's like to actually struggle or starve or, you know, maybe I'm short $50 on rent this week. They have no idea what that's like. Because those kind of people were given everything. They were given a scholarship. They had free schooling. They had a visa, a credit card that was through the government, I guess. I don't know how you get a green card or whatever, but <clears throat> their parents have a credit card, have a visa. So they don't know what it's like to want and what it's like to struggle. They came over here to America and got everything handed to them. So... They weren't born over here poor. 
You know, I, I can remember growing up, my parents have been divorced, and I can remember growing up where I didn't have food, you know, my mom made the best of what she could. We didn't have the best selection of food. We didn't have the best clothes growing up. But these people that come over here from Russia, from Ukraine, from fucking Turkmenistan, they get everything. Everything. They get free schooling, free health care, free credit cards for money to be able to buy clothes and laptops. Meanwhile, people like me that have been born here, we don't get shit. We get told that we need to get out and work and find find the money and, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. And then we've got these double spies that come over from China. They've got a visa. They come over as a student or some shit. They're fucking Chinese spies. We shouldn't be allowing any Chinese people over here to be at any university or any uh, uh, business that has to do with national security, period. That would eliminate all the problems of leaking information. <clears throat> but then that would be wrong and, you know, unethical. So, I don't know. I mean, as a country, as America, land of the free, home of the brave, everybody thinks it's the right thing to do to let immigrants come over here. And here's the thing. I don't have a problem with that when it comes down to certain cases, like women and children or people that are fleeing a country that's in war, you know, that's fine. But when it's just people crossing the border like Mexico or you know, people from Venezuela that wants to get away from their dictator fucking government, fuck that shit. Deny them and make them fight for what the fuck they need to fight for. Because us as a country, we have so many people that are homeless, that are hungry, we have veterans that are on the streets that don't get the fucking help that they need, and yet we give help to people from other countries that aren't even a fucking citizen yet. It's crazy. It's absolutely bananas. We can give foreigners a visa to rack up, but we can't give veterans that fought for this country a place to live. That is fucking crazy. Back when Ulysses Grant got done fighting in the war, guess what they did? The town that he lived in bought him another house. He already had a house. But the town that he lived in built him another fucking house for free. Because he deserves it. He went and fought for the war. He deserves it. Right? That's what should happen in this country. Every veteran that fights in the war should get a fucking house. Period. At least. Bare minimum. <clears throat> Even if it's built by the United States Army, by the engineers, who gives a fuck? But every veteran needs a house to be able to go home to. They've already dealt with all the bullshit. 
they need at least a house. They need a house and they need pay, retirement, whatever. And they need pay for mental distress from, from having to go through that shit. And if we did that, and if we made it more humane for people to join <clears throat> and gave them more rights and everything, people would be joining left and right. People, you, you couldn't stop people from joining the military if they get a free house after serving so many tours. You serve four tours and you retire, you get a free house. I can't tell you how much good that would do. And it would make people actually want to stay there instead of doing four years and getting out. Which costs the government more money because you do four years and get out. Like I said, you got to deal with VA costs and whatnot. But if you do 20 years <coughs> or you're a, you're a medal recipient or something, then it would cut down on a lot of that cost. People that do four years and get out shouldn't get as much, um, they shouldn't get as much uh, benefits as people that do 10 or 20 or whatever. I feel like if you're not going to do at least two tours, you, you should get only half or a third of the benefits. And... A lot of these new soldiers that are going in there, they haven't seen war. But all of all those soldiers that went through Iraq, Afghanistan, they should be getting some major compensation right now. And it's still not going to help with, you know, friends that they went in there with and lost. Or the PTSD every night they have to deal with. And we asked them to do that and sacrifice themselves. And now, look how they live, you know. I can only imagine. Not just PTSD and everything, but being depressed. I mean, you go from being a war hero and fighting every day to sitting at home and you feel like nobody gives a fuck about you. Nobody even knows who you are. You sat there and you went through the war and everything and nobody even knows who the fuck you are. Even though you're a war hero, nobody knows your name. And that's wrong. That's wrong. The people that did make it out of Iraq and Afghanistan are war heroes. Even though if it, even if it was for a bad cause or it wasn't for a just cause, to be able to make it out of there in one piece and to be able to guide other young men the way that they did was it's just it's crazy they deserve something there's still people that fought in Vietnam and shit living in California in a fucking tent on the side of the road and you're like what war did you fight for and they're like the Korean War or Vietnam War And a lot of these cities are like, oh, we can't deal with homeless people. 
And three quarters of them are like fucking veterans. It's funny. Even if that wasn't the case, you know, I mean, our veterans deserve a lot more than what they get. And maybe we'd be able to recruit better veterans if we gave them more. It's like being a police officer right now. And I thought about this recently, and within the past week, I've been thinking about it very much. And I can go and be a police officer right now and make 50 grand a year. And I've probably been making about 20 grand a year here lately. I can make double what I've been making, if not more. that's kind of what I need to be able to get into van life and get the fuck out of here. Even if it's a couple years, two to five years of me being a cop. And I got to watching cops the other day. And I know a lot of people sit there and say, oh, it's not all about what it is on TV and blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, as long as you deal with traffic stops and as long as you deal with you know, watching people, being aware of your surroundings, keeping your gun ready at all times. You don't have anything to worry about. I mean, you are responsible for whether you go home at night. So if somebody pulls a gun on you, then by all means, you know, as a police officer, I say use every bit of self-defense that you have. But I, I want every police officer to know that you need to make sure that it's a gun first. You really do. Because, you know, they pull out a cell phone and you shoot somebody, then you're kind of in some deep shit. So, the rule is, as a police officer, you don't shoot until you're shot at, pretty much. Unless you're in some tight quarters and, you know, uh, yeah, it it, it all comes down to self-discretion. And what you could do, if it was an accident and you're an officer, then yeah, you're going to get off. You're going to, it was an accident. He said he was reported to have a gun. He looked like he pulled out a gun. Then you're covered by color of wall. But if you go up to somebody and pull a gun on them at a traffic stop and shoot them for no reason, then yeah, you're going to be possibly doing prison time. More than likely. And that's just the way it all comes down to. But at the end of the day... Being on the drug task force is a lot more safer, I think, than to be a traffic cop or to be somebody on the streets. And I say that because if you watch cops, when they have a drug task force or whatever, they have two to four individuals that are trained, they got body armor, they usually go in and infiltrate and then the the people usually give up they know that they're caught but when you go out on the streets 
into these different neighborhoods to people who might have a gun underneath the seat and they're not trying to go to prison or they've got you know a hundred pounds of coke in the back of their trunk that might end a little bit differently because you don't really catch them by surprise when they've got the gun underneath their seat or on their person but when you break into somebody's house and you catch them by surprise they can't go and get their gun or load it or you know And I've seen people on the drug task force who just stormed people before and they didn't know how to react. But see a lot of these highway traffic stops where cops get, you know, people pulled over and they pull a gun on them all the time on the highways. I don't know why. And, um, <clears throat> you know, basically what I say is, do you think you can handle it? And knowing that you could possibly take somebody's life and you could possibly maybe, maybe go to prison if you do something wrong. And I've been thinking lately that it it might be worth it. I might, you know, I think I can handle it right now. Looking back at it, like, yeah, there's always a chance that you can get shot. That's why you wear body armor. But the chances of you getting shot out versus getting paid a lot of money and saving the neighborhood outweighs itself. If that makes any sense. If somebody can shoot me and kill me, more power to them. But if somebody draws a gun on me as a cop, and if I can't kill them, then that's my own fault, in my opinion. That's why a lot of officers go to target practice a lot of times. They get to carry whatever service weapon they want and if you are on aim and you are on point then shame on you as a cop because you have to watch out for where you're shooting like you can't be shooting towards houses or buildings or whatever anyway I'm not going to get too far into depth on that, but I've been thinking about maybe being a cop pay me two, two and a half times more than what I get paid now. And do I think I have what it takes to be a cop? That's kind of a whole nother podcast. But I think from lately of what I've been seeing is, yes, I think I can hold a firearm. I could, I could give good cops a good name and um, keep it honest, keep it legit but keep the neighborhood safe at the same time and like I said two years of doing that you know if I'm making two times more or two and a half times more a year I'm going to be making five times more in two years than what I would have made doing what I'm doing
and I don't know, I just, I have to do something, and it's a guaranteed job right now, if I quit smoking weed, I can go up there and be a police officer right now, they're just dying for people, you know, like, I could quit smoking weed and maybe go and apply for the bus station, but there might not be an opening, or I might not get the job, or but I can guarantee you if I quit smoking weed, I can go up there and get a job as a police officer like fucking next week, go do my little training or whatever and get sworn in and all that shit, I've been thinking about it man, I'm not gonna lie. I've talked a lot of shit about cops in the past, I've, you know, kind of despised them or whatever, but, do you, you know, I asked my coworker earlier, I said, do you want people selling dope on your fucking, your next door neighbor's doorstep at all hours of the day, or do you want people with guns in your neighborhood where your kid's gonna grow up and shit, you know, those kind of people need to be locked up. You know, I don't care if it's minor bullshit, but dangerous people need to be locked up, and there's a lot of them around here, so, and not only is there more dangerous people, but there's less and less cops, every year, less and less cops, and now, with these new laws that they passed, January 1st, I don't know how it's going to go. It's going to be crazy. You know, like, attempted murderers and rapists and um, people that flee and elude on felony charges and a whole bunch of different other charges get just let out. There's no cash bond. So, even if somebody breaks into your property and is living in your shed... The police can't do anything about it except give them a ticket. It's up to you to be able to figure out what kind of force that you need to get them out. Which, nine times out of ten, always comes down to battery. When you're going to fight somebody and use force to get them off your property, then it's always going to come down to battery. So, they're going to take you to jail for battery and give them a ticket. That's how that's going to go. I don't know. It's going to be crazy, but anywho, this podcast is getting down to the 59 minute mark, and I wish I could make another one, but I don't have the time, um, so it'll be until the next one, which hopefully is in like a couple days, probably, I gotta work tomorrow, but I don't know, I don't know what next week even looks like right now, so... Till the next one, it was real, it was fun, but it wasn't real fun. So, see Jizzle and the Wizzle, signing out.